on this film. Levitated by the human touch. Antonio's galloping forward, here's the pass. Antonio's through, chance to fall, what a goal! What a brilliant strike by Mikel Antonio! Hello and welcome to another edition of the Knees Up Mother Brown West Ham podcast. Joining me as ever are my two co-hosts, La Belle et la Bête, de podcast de football, Callum Goodall and Jack Elson. Who's who? Who's to say? My French, none. This week we have two games to look back on, a defeat to Brentford and a draw at home to Lyon with a focus on forgetting that Brentford ever happened and how we can get through in the away leg at Leon. Uh, we're back at it and if you'd like to get in touch all correspondence can be sent to either the email address which is podcast at kumb.com there's also the forum thread at kumb.com and you can tweet the new shiny spangly spectacular podcast twitter which is at kumb pod um to Brentford then and <laughs> I mean we've not got a lot to say it's not going to be a log segment on Brentford I think we all kind of know the problems I don't think you need any analytical brains to do it but you two have both got them and I've got to talk to you. So, Cal, I mean, it was just a horrible game, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, the obvious thing everyone's been saying, we just looked absolutely knackered and they're absolutely spot on. Uh, and I suppose it is understandable given uh, a lot of the players that featured uh, also featured against uh, Leon uh, a few days before. So, um, yeah, I think it's kind of expectant. I'd, I wasn't really confident going into it simply because we don't have the squad to rotate. We don't have two starting 11. So it was always going to be a tired performance. And I can't think that there's many worse teams to go up against in the Premier League on tired legs than Brentford, given that they're such a physical mm. um, team. Like you can't go in there feeling a little bit off the boil because they're going to completely capitalise on that, get stuck into you. And, and they absolutely did that. And, and it worked, unfortunately for us. Yeah, and I suppose having kind of had a, a bit they kind of smash and grab I suppose at the end in the home game last time and you can plan for that game and then they've added Christian Eriksen who is one of the kind of classier players of a ball as well so it kind of adds a, another level doesn't it Jack and it kind of well it was it was obvious well yeah chucking Eriksen into that Brentford midfield has taken them up a, a, a huge level um but to be honest with you, I didn't think there was that much in it in the first half. Um, no. I thought the game was just really low on quality. And then uh, when you took Zuma out and replaced him with Diop, there were just a couple of defensive mistakes. And from there, we never really recovered. Um, and we never really had any control in the game, but we were more comfortable with that in the first half. And then in the second half, it was a poor performance all round, really, especially after the first goal. It was one of those games that kind of, ex- I suppose, it exposed maybe... Three, three bigger weaknesses, three of the biggest weaknesses. We know we don't have a big squad and we're playing a lot of games. When Diop comes in, he's easy to Diop. And we're not great when we have more of the ball than we used to, are we, Cal? Yeah, so that's actually something that I, I had a little look into. I, I was really clutching at straws in terms of <laughs> what analysis I can bring to this podcast uh, regarding the Brentford game. Um, but one thing that did pop up was that uh, we actually had... Um, more passes per possession than than we tend to do. So uh, over the course of the season, we've averaged around 4.4 passes per possession. uh, And the 
in the Brentford game, we had 6.1. Um, so obviously less passes per possession is more direct, more passes per possession is you've got more time on the ball. Uh, and uh, some teams with better players would know how to work this. Think City, for example, uh, they're, they're the perfect team for building possessional attacks. Uh, and we're just not, we're, we're a much more direct team. We tend to hit teams on the counter uh, and are generally pretty good at it. Um, but we just didn't look comfortable building these possession-based attacks. Um, and I was quite surprised to see, actually, that uh, throughout the course of the game, we actually had more positional attacks than Brentford did. Uh, there was only one in it. We had 26. Uh, they had 25. Uh, but the key difference was that only two of our 26 resulted in a shot on goal, uh, which is 7.7%. Uh, whereas Brentford, uh, who are clearly a more comfortable playing in this system, uh, managed 11 shots out of their 25 positional attacks, which is 44%. So I think Ericsson, obviously, like you've rightly mentioned, plays a big part in that because he's the sort of player that it, when you're building up the play, he's the guy, the go-to who can pick out that pass. Um, and I suppose our equivalent, uh, albeit in my opinion, not on the same level in terms of progression and, and picking those sort of balls from deep is, is Lanzini. And there was a lot of talk about his return to the team and how, uh, particularly going into the next leg against Leon, the sort of role that he might play in terms of linking up play in the middle of the park. But I was surprised to see that we actually connected less of our progressive passes in the Brentford game than we did against Leon. Um, I think about only about 60%, I think it was, whereas Brentford, I think it was 74.5. So, um, yeah, I think I've probably he is obviously our most progressive passer in the middle of the park, um, but he's not quite on those levels of other attacking midfielders that, that yeah. can link up that play. Can I, before we move on from that, possession, passes per session, possession per passes, is one of the, I think it was passes <laughs> per possession. I yeah, presume that one. is for each time you've got the ball rather than for each percentage point of possession. Just, yeah, just yeah, to check that yeah, as a label. To my, yeah, to my knowledge. I'm pretty sure, Jack, you might want to confirm that, but um, that's my understanding of it. I think it's spawn. Good, because I don't want to have to say possession per passes and passes per possession again. Because it's, it's not just—it's not just a bit of a tongue twister for me, but I'm generally getting more confused the more I say it. Um, I, I suppose it's interesting. Um, you, you must—they look to me like almost two kind of contra- contrasting a pair of teams as you'll get. Kind of one team that's kind of breaking like line breaking passes. He's good on the ball. They're not really using their whip very often unless we kind of made them funneled out to there. Whereas Brentford are happy to skip about three steps. Not not uncomfortable, and they use their runners off well. But yeah, definitely kind of different to what we did. Um, it's hard to look for for any real positives in there. I, I've, I, I, you look at it. I think I gave five, my, my my match ratings. I think you may have given a Sufala seven, Jack, and that's about all I can think. As other than the consistent excellence of Craig Dawson, which <laughs> continues for me to be a theme of this second half of the season. Otherwise, it was probably so far, really. Yeah, I think well, Sufala's return was pretty successful um all things considered it was a it was a poor game all round for us and his performance individually wasn't that bad um he definitely tailed off in the second half but I'm not sure he's fully matched sharp yet uh in the first half he offered a lot going forward and uh, for the first time in a, in a long time we had more balance to our play um in fact it wasn't that balanced because we mostly used the right side which <laughs> yes. is just incredibly unusual for us <laughs> usually we're such a left side heavy team uh so it's mad to see us pushing everything up the right. Um, but, you know, the only chance we really created in the game was that cross to Suchek and it came from him. And he was really one of the more exciting players going forward um, that we had on the day. And just lastly, <coughs> on Brentford and and, and how, we, how they sort of created so much space against us, I think systemically, I'm, I'm, I, I always talk about systems, but just for very briefly, um, we set up 
out of possession with the, with a four four two like we often do with Lanzini and Antonio, and the two of them just had absolutely dead energy at the top of the pitch completely. And it was very, very easy for Brentford to play to Norgard, suck one of Lanzini or Antonio in, then play back into the defence and then free Ericsson on the other side with the other player, either Lanzini or Antonio, not having the energy to then get across and, and press the other. Um, so it's really like beyond simple for Brentford to free up Ericsson throughout the game so that he could turn and then play forwards. And actually, that's something that's sort of thematic from the two games, <coughs> both Leon and Brentford, is that uh, Leon achieved something very similar with Ndombele and freeing him up to be able to return, sorry, receive and, and turn in space. Um, and definitely it's something that we need to look at in terms of a weakness going forward when we're playing that sort of more 4-4-2 mid-block shape, making sure that when teams play a 4-2-3-1 against us, <coughs> I know Brentford used a 4-3-3, but they were quite comfortable dropping two midfielders quite deep that we don't get sucked too close towards one of those midfielders and then leave the other one completely free. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's interesting because obviously we, all of the points are going to basically qualified by we were knackered. Um, it's, this, is, it's, this is kind of hard on an analytical standpoint and it's, it's tainted by um, hindsight. But sh- if you get, you've got that performance that you got from, say, Antonio, as an example, slightly unfair, but the one who who shows his tiredness the most in the way he plays and the way he holds himself. He's a, a man who physically exerts that kind of energy from him, ironically. Um, should, should the manager know ahead of time, using numbers, using whatever analytics, whether that is the training, whether that's from the game before, whether that's experience, of when these performances are likely to come? Should he know kind of ahead of time that Antonio is probably too tired to play at full pelt? Should he know as part of that, because I know we've got the squad we've got and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to have this discussion and go, go, well, you know, we'd love to go back to January. We can't, we, it doesn't happen. Um, and it's easy with hindsight to say, as kind of discussed earlier, when we were planning, you know, we lost 2-0. So, of course, you want to make changes now because it wouldn't have hurt any more, Cal. But should, should he know ahead of time, I think is the question, should you be able to mitigate for that, even with the options we have? Yeah, I think so. I mean, any any Premier League team nowadays should have a, a pretty uh, strong team of sports scientists and stuff whose whose entire role is sort of minute management and, and ensuring the the fitness of the team, whether it's using data or, or just general physiotherapy and stuff like that. Is you'd think it wouldn't be that hard. Um, and to be fair, I think if you think back to going into this season when we when we only had Antonio, I think I would have expected him to have. Uh, picked up more injuries than he has done this season and I think we have managed his minutes quite successfully given the limitations of the squad um, but I think going into that game I mean I know that you want to win every match obviously and we, we don't have that many options and the one option we do have is, is, is Yarmolenko who you could play up top or, or Vlasic I suppose but as much as Yarmolenko scored some important goals recently I, I think Antonio is still number one for Moyes and he'd really the level of trust the drop off in trust from Antonio to the likes of Yarmolenko and Vlasic is so big that I don't think he would ever risk not playing Antonio if he is fit but I think he would value a tired Antonio still above a fully fit Yarmolenko or Vlasic Uh, and and that's just the way it is unfortunately but I think yeah it's I think in his mind it would be if I don't start Antonio that's almost an admission of throwing the game away and I just don't think that's his style Uh, and like you say hindsight is a great thing because you can look back and go well we threw the game away anyway because everyone was knackered and and we didn't turn up but I don't think he he thought that we would be as bad as we were frankly. Is is, is it a fair thing to criticise the manager for do you think Jack or is that a little bit a little bit harsh 
considering where we are and what we've got. I don't think he has much experience with these players um, playing Thursday. Well, he has no experience with these players playing Thursday, Sunday knockout games. I mean, this Mm. is brand new. So they handled the group stage really well, um, although we did rotate more generally in those games. Um, But here, once we got to the group stage, you've seen, I mean, the Spurs game was not dissimilar. Um, We struggled throughout that match (laughs) with fitness. And and again here, and I think you see the the step up in level of the teams we're playing against now and how much is taking it out of the squad. Um, But yeah, the manager has very little experience of these players and how they're going to respond to to. Uh, massive exertions on Thursday night. So I think it's a little bit harsh at this stage. Um, if he was to repeat those errors, say we got into Europe next season and, 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 and he carried on repeating with certain players who clearly don't have the legs to do it, then I think the criticism is fair. Yeah. I think as well, I was just going to add that I think given the way the results went the day before, I think there was more of an onus to yeah. try and get a result. Like had the table looked in a different shape before we went into that game, maybe some decisions would have been made because the situation it would have been less likely that we could have made a gain had we won. But because of all the slip-ups, there was so much ground to be made up um, if we'd have got three points and it it really could have changed the shape of the system uh, this season uh, coming into this run-in. But I think now, obviously, that's that's not panned out. But yeah, I think it's frustrating, but I think he had every right to just go out and play the strongest team and and try and capitalise on um, the results that Arsenal and United got. I suppose the, the the benefit is if if we really take the realistic target as European football, not top four, um, any of the teams were challenging. We basically didn't make any ground. So if there was a time a time to lose, that was it. Um, we won't go very long detail into the goals, mainly because if you haven't worked out by now, Jack is pretty ill, and I reckon some of my opinions will annoy him into a coughing fit. He uh, missed <laughs> the game last Thursday, um, which shows you how ill he was, because he would have wanted, obviously, to be there. Um, I, I think it's. I just think the last two games would be very, very interesting on Cresswell, not just because the errors or the decisions made, also those a little bit of... I feel like we're one of the only teams in the Premier League who have no pace at fullback, and I don't know whether that affects how we defend. I don't know if that's affecting the central two and what they do. Um, but I, I certainly found the decision that Leon gave found very frustrating at City. But I, as much as Diop is obviously the main man to blame for the goal, I think maybe I just got bored of talking about that. And we, we've the podcast talk about that. I found it very frustrating the way he could have, could have had that ball to start with. The one before the throw, it's closer to him. He's running to it. It's still closer to him by the time that Diop starts running to it when he shouted for him. And Diop is running off and off to the side of the pitch. I think a little bit of... I, I, I feel like this should be criticism of Cresswell for not taking responsibility and not making a better decision. Granted, it's just a throw-in. And at the end of the day, we shouldn't have been so easily beaten from there. But, you know, I just want to make the point whilst I can. Oh, no, uh, he's, I, he's, he's got his voice back. I've lost it. <laughs> Barely. But I think... Um... I don't, I don't think he's got that much responsibility over the situation, really. I think, like you say, it's just a throw-in. <laughs> it's, it's not, I said before you, before you go on, not, it's not because he's got actually responsibility for the goal. It's minor errors, and often those little errors don't go punished. But yet in the last two games, I think those kind of little things that are questionable, not a big deal, like Cresswell grabbing the arm, probably thinking, going to get a yellow card, not a bad risk, it'll be fine. And I think those little kind of decisions... A kind of a, a tally up with a season where he's getting a lot of praise, but I think you could probably add just little, little mistakes on a lot of goals across the season. I'm thinking Leeds at home, slightly 
ball watching on the back post that you kind of remind people that there is a need for a new left back regardless of the levels that Cresswell is reaching. I agree with that. I agree with that. I just think the mistakes on the Brentford goal are so small from Cresswell. (laughs) I don't think there's really a mistake before the throw-in. I think he's shielding the player and the option to punch out. And it's a ridiculously (laughs) heavy touch. (laughs) And then on the goal itself, I think there's a lot of people saying Mbomo runs off him too easily. Generally, how we defend is with a flat line. And I can't see why Diop has rushed out so late. It's very it so easy for Mbomo to run inside him, and ultimately Mbomo is just quicker than Cresswell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there is, so. there is that. As sometimes it has to kind of has to be remembered in goals, and I think it's slightly be lost. So because uh, everything's so analysed, that sometimes someone just does something, and it's it's impossible for Cresswell to know exactly what he's going to do and be as fast as him because he isn't as fast as him. And as 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 I said in the chat before we started, that Diop is the he's got a masterful skill at putting himself in positions that leave him completely exposed as a defender. It's quite impressive. He'd be great at finding pockets of space as a 10. Unfortunately, he's a centre-back and he's going to be defending those. Yeah. Um, <laughs> before we move on from Brentford, and we've kind of eked out as much as, almost as much as we can, I just wanted to touch on Ivan Tony because he will be, he'll be kind of linked to us across the summer regardless. And he's been linked to us in the previous summer. And there's a kind of that noise around him He's been there before and it will be there again. He's got the assist. He's got the goal. Uh, what are your opinions on him, Cal, as, an, as a target for us, as a striker, if we were to be looking that way? Uh, yeah, I mean, we could do a lot worse. Uh, we could, anyone, to be honest, would be good, <laughs> because, given our <laughs> lack of depth. Uh, but I do think, yeah, he's, there's certain parts of his game that definitely would suit us, I think. I mean, his ability to drop in deep and sort of play those passes in behind, I think is something that we could really make use of um, in almost in term in uh, sort of an improvement on Antonio in, in the link up sense, like his touch and stuff is, is as good, if not better. But then when he has that touch, he then has the ability to make the pass. Whereas quite often what happens with Antonio is he'll, stumble getting the ball under control but then lose the ball by misplacing the pass or, or being intercepted um, so I think in that sense uh, as a sort of focal point for an attack and holding up and linking play and getting the likes of Bowen for nows etc in behind I think I think would be really good uh, and I mean his finishing is obviously everyone he's scored plenty of goals in the Premier League now um, his finishing is good and uh, I don't think you have to be that good a finisher to be more clinical than Antonio. I don't want it to come across as like I'm slandering Antonio, but he's he's not the most sort of uh, polished finisher. Uh, I think everyone would agree on that point. Um, so yeah, I think all, all in, I think it would be a really good addition to the squad, but I think the window of, we had an opportunity to buy him and I think we probably should have done it sooner because I think him coming up to the Premier League and performing at this level inflates his price tag so much that, what would have been a reasonable price previously is now a price tag. I'm not sure what Brentford would ask for, but the fact that they've stayed in the Premier League, he's performed in the Premier League, is going to be a lot higher. And and I'm not sure I would be willing to pay what they ask for. Yeah, let's probably probably put another 10, 20 million on his... At least. least. I mean, I've seen people comparing him to an an Allaire signing, Jack. I I, I don't see him as a massive channel runner like Antonio, but I don't feel... I don't feel like you can thrive in the English game and kind of done as well as he's done over the last few years and be that LA striker. I don't think that's true. I think in, in the right system, you could be that kind of striker and, and thrive in, in the Premier League. But I think the main thing that people are latching onto, which is, uh, I think, a fair assessment, is that he does really lack mobility. 
Um, it's the weakest area of his game. Um, I think recently you've seen him more kind of styled in that sort of Harry Kane mold of of, of dropping in and playing people through. And that works really well with um, and Burmo and, and the two of them have a lovely partnership at, yeah. at Brentford. I can't necessarily really see him playing in a, in a sort of 4-2-3-1 quick transitions, Moyes style yeah. system because I don't really see... I mean, he, maybe if you added Lingard in and you had the sort of like two of them swapping positions a lot then maybe that could, could work but you almost feel like we we kind of cramp that space on the pitch quite a lot where, where does a Suchek kind of work with someone like Tony up front don't, don't really see how that kind of works at all so there are broader issues in terms of like the way that the rest of our squad is constructed yeah. um, that don't necessarily work brilliantly with Tony I can see how Bowen would work really well with him but I can't mm. really point to many other people in the squad and say that they would be good partners for him no no I, I, I like him and there's something about him that you could see as a if that's where we're meant to be progressing you can see how he'd fit in with any sort of move to get more possession but I'm not sure I feel like he'd be almost a year or two early for where we are and what we have and that's a problem we've had with strikers before especially with spending money and wasting it um right Brentford <laughs> that game can that game can be forgotten we've got we've got about 20 minutes out of it which is impressive and disappointing at the same time <laughs> um, that, that's that's a that's a joke for the producer mainly i think um well having shown off my wonderful french earlier and i'm sure you'll all be shocked to know I, i'm actually in no way no part french pure pure disappointing english um we'll move on to leon and well i suppose speaking of disappointing it wasn't it wasn't everything it could have been really. It's really hard to analyze a game. And I must, must you two who kind of look at these things properly and I watch it once and I've done my report and I kind of try to consign it to history. Uh, but if you're actually looking at these things, it must be almost frustrating in a way when you've read cards, obviously so changes a game um, in the first half. Well, it was, uh, too much respect Cal is what it felt like to me too much respect of what we thought Leon might be, I guess. I think so to a degree because I think we let them come at us uh, quite a lot. But I think there was also an element of that being a tactical decision because I would imagine that Moises uh, acknowledged that their biggest weakness is people getting in behind. And the only way to open those spaces is to allow them to commit to attacking you. And then you bank in on the fact that you're going to win that ball back and then hit them on the counter. And I think we did do that quite effectively, actually, throughout the game. Um, So I think, yeah... we did invite a lot of pressure, but I think it probably was the right thing to do if uh, given that I think a direct approach uh, in attack was the the best uh, way to go about it. Um, I don't think, as we mentioned in the Brentford game, we don't have the quality in our squad to sort of uh, play like Leon did, to be honest. like They're, they're, they're blessed with a midfield who have uh, a plethora of brilliant passers who can play balls in behind and, and play through your press quite easily. And we saw that. Uh, and we don't have that. So if we tried to play in a similar style where we sort of go at them and, and sort of have an equal share of possession and, and play similar types of attack, I don't think we would have matched up as well against them as we did, because I think ultimately our attacks that we tried to have build would have been foiled and then we wouldn't have had the opportunity to hit them on the counter. Um, so, yeah, I think that would be my take on it. Just the direct approach uh, was a tactical one rather than us just getting scared um, but I do I do agree with the, the take at the start that it didn't quite live up uh, to the expectation but I think it was always going to be a difficult build to follow after the sort of 
euphoria of that severe second leg. I don't think um, it was ever going to be that. Um, but yeah, sadly ruined by uh, some. Yeah, we're not even. We said before the pod, we're not even going to get into the decision. So, uh, on behalf of the rest of the podcast, we would just like to all say that the referee we agree was terrible. Yeah, that's that's about about enough. Is it, we? I mean, <laughs> European refs are where we are. You, I mean, if you've looked into the history of the man, you can have your own opinions on him and whether he should be refing as well. Um, yeah. First half, Jack. Then, so respect or tactical or a mix of both, or as we are. I think we were forced to respect them, to be honest. Um, I think we tried to press in the first 10 minutes. I think we tried to play quite a combative, high-pressing style. I think Fornals went wanted to really go after uh, Boateng. I think Antonio wanted to go after Lekeba. I think Suchek wanted to get really tight to Ndombele, and Rice was pushing up to assist on Mendes. Um, and 10 minutes in, they looked completely comfortable, uh, frankly. Um, and at that point, we had to change what we were doing because we wanted to upset them in the same way that we upset Sevilla and we, we just couldn't. Um, <coughs> partly, I think that's about the quality they've got. I think it's also just the depth uh, of the, the amount of passes they have in midfield that they can just rotate everyone really, really effectively. So it's not like they're reliant on one or two players that we can then mark out the game. It's like, okay, if we've got really high pressure on Ndombele, then Awa can kind of come and slot into there or Paqueta can come and drop into that space or Favour can come and drop into that space or Mendes can come and get on the ball. So you've got five players who can all rotate in that central area, pick up the ball and play through the press. So it's very, very difficult for you to keep enough pressure on all five to stop them from being able to play through you. Um, I'm, I mean, one of the moments I noticed in that first 15 minutes <coughs> that was going really well for them is that we were able to get close to Ndombele. We weren't winning the duels. Suchek wasn't winning any of them. But even once we once they decided to stop using Ndombele in possession, he would just drag Suchek out the way for hour to come and get on the ball and then turn out. <coughs> so it's very difficult. Um, to, to have the same sort of pressing effect on them. And then we were forced to drop and we wanted to play direct anyway. So happy to drop deeper and then play very direct, high, you know, speedy transitions like normal, but kind of cutting out the midfield when we turned the ball over deeper. Yeah. And then it ended up with kind of that, that direct approach. It gave, it gave Ben Rama a bit of space and kind of to thrive and well, to thrive if he could have uh, he had the space to do it whether he did or not was his of his making um, and it kind of ended up showing us why Craig Dawson's the best passer in world football in the end Cal <laughs> <laughs> yeah man uh, yeah so the numbers on that I mean nine out of ten long passes completed so that's 90 percent long ball accuracy uh, which is frankly insane but also <laughs> helped by the fact that they obviously play these very very advanced uh well, an advanced back line, to be honest, but particularly advanced fullbacks, which then offers the space to the likes of Ben Rama and Bowen, uh, who, to be fair to Ben Rama, his touch uh, on the passes that he did receive was brilliant. Uh, but it's just when he then has to attack the space that's in front of him, he seems to struggle. Um, he, he can run with the ball, but I think when he gets in that final third, he's just a bit lacking. I mean, the the one in my mind, he actually did quite well on to hold off Malagusto uh, and then get the shot away. Uh, and unfortunately, there was no one there to sort of get the rebound that was uh, spilled out. Uh, I think it fell to Boateng and they just cleared it. Uh, but on other occasions, he kind of just ran into that space and then ended up getting tackled or uh, getting there and then sort of stopping rather than going all the way to the byline and just passing it backwards. Um, and I think that's something that carried over into the Brentford game as well, uh, where there was a few occasions where he sort of 
he should have just run faster and he slowed down and then the whole the whole move just died um but yeah the long ball approach really worked for me it was something that um we'd picked out before the game as sort of being a weakness of theirs that we needed to exploit and i think uh we, we were unfortunate in that we obviously got reduced to 10 men and uh that obviously impacts our ability to sort of get numbers up there but i still think we did it really well um and it's something that i definitely want to see uh going into the next game um but numbers wise i think uh 18 percent of our passes were long balls which is an incredibly high proportion um uh, i think the second the second highest this season and the highest for this season um, is no coincidence that it came against Liverpool, uh, which was 20.4%. And they obviously are another team that play an incredibly high line and uh, incredibly advanced fullbacks. So um, the similarities between the two are, are interesting, but not uh, unexpected. It's interesting because a lot of people will put the, well, the absence of Lanzini as a part of that and will have been talking up the kind of presence of Lanzini when he comes into the team, Jack you would say the one thing he isn't particularly, you wouldn't put him in a long ball team, would you? He wouldn't go, oh, direct, I need man who lads easy. No, exactly. He'd just be kicking the ball over the top of yeah. him and he wouldn't have the, the, the dynamism to get up and down. Um, physically, he wouldn't be able to keep up getting um, into the final third when we yeah. got there and then cut recovering into the midfield when, when we have to get back. <laughs> so it's a bit of a weird one. I think he, he his quality would help a lot in a lot of ways, but... Um, for now's being in there was a real help in, in especially in the first half of, of the Lyon game, because a lot of where we were successful were, was with Antonio and Fornals both dropping in, dragging one of the centre backs with them, and then Bowen and Ben uh, Ben Rama attacking that space in behind and trying to get in behind the fullbacks, <laughs> which to be honest against Lyon is like ridiculously easy because of how high they get the fullbacks. So that's where we had most of our success, and I could see us doing something very very similar in the second leg. So would you go the same again? Would you go Ben Rama wide because of the pace? It's very difficult to say, but at the moment, I'm going to look back at the game a little bit again, particularly in the sort of last 15 minutes of the first half. <laughs> but at the moment, I'd say probably just, yes. Okay, that's interesting because I, I suspect he won't, but I, 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 on, a, on, a, on a sense of guessing what David Moyes might do, you feel like he will probably go to almost the tried and trusted. If we've talked about trust before, Cal, those kind of players. Um, you suspect he'll come in. What would what would you like to see us do differently? I suppose is it almost impossible to say because that forty five minutes when we just by the time we started to get it right and we had the kind of rug pulled from beneath us. Yeah, it's hard because we're sort of making comparisons between a game where, for the majority, we had ten men, so that com- would have completely changed. That halftime team talk would have been completely different to what Moise would have anticipated before he even walked into the dressing room because it happened so close to the half time. Um, so he would have had to screw everything up and, and go for a completely different approach. So th- certain things he might have wanted to test, having watched Leon play for 45 minutes and then go in and be like, okay, let's do this, this and this, he couldn't do. So in a sense, he's not been able to trial um, these things. Uh, so I think I wouldn't do too much differently because I think, like Jack said, the first half, I think we we actually did pretty well. Uh, we limited their chances uh, it's a trend we've seen throughout uh, the season um, where we're quite happy to let people take shots from long range, but we just defend the box incredibly well. Um, the average shot distance was 21 yards, which is three yards outside of the 18-yard box. So, And they had 22 shots. So to have that many shots and the average still be that high, you'd expect it to come down with the more shots they had because you'd expect a certain percentage of it to be close to the goal. So to limit them that well, I'd, I'd be quite happy to just do that again because... 
frankly, those are sort of low probability chances. And if they do go in, usually you kind of just have to hold your hands up and go, well, fair enough. That was just a great goal from 25 yards out and we couldn't do much about it. Um, so, yeah, in terms of defensively, I'd, I'd let us play a similarly sort of mid to low block. Um, we starved them of any space in behind quite effectively, I thought. Uh, something, again, that we flagged up before the game uh, with the likes of Paqueta, our um, having the ability to sort of thread a, a ball in behind. Uh, and they attempted that six times and only one of them got through. So that, that sort of clearly we were well drilled. Um, attacking wise, I think the stuff with Lanzini, I think everyone was looking forward to him coming back. But I agree with Jack that I'm I'm not sure. I think this direct approach is the best way to play. And I'm not sure how he fits in. But equally, I think you, you sort of almost have to start him given the sort of... Um, well, maybe you don't actually. Maybe you play... Ben Rama back at wide and four hours in the middle, but I think Moyes will is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I, I don't th- I don't see how Moyes looks at it and goes, oh Lanzini's available now, and I'm not going to play him. It's just not going to happen. So um, that will be an interesting one to see how that pans out. Uh, but I think one positive going into it is that Sufal had a pretty positive return against Brentford, and if we're talking about sort of getting in behind and having an outlet in the final third that can actually produce, I think. Fredericks obviously has more pace, but when he gets there, it's, it's a com- common theme that he gets to the final third and doesn't actually do much. Chris, I know that's something that's infuriated you for the last few seasons. Uh, and similarly, on the other side, Ben Rama obviously has, has sort of gets there and doesn't do much. So uh, Sufal getting in behind and putting in balls to the box, I think is something I'd love to see a lot more of. Um, and I think obviously with Cresswell being out as well, we'll probably see a shift more to the right like we did in the Brentford game where the onus is on Sufal to create rather than the sort of trend that we've had throughout the season where Cresswell and the left-sided dominance is is more of a thing. It's 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 going to fascinate because obviously we're now going to be with what you would say is without three quarters of his first choice defence. Granted, Craig Dawson has kind of stepped up and made almost the absence of one really less notable. Um, it's interesting that you kind of if I was going to transition from the first to the second half, the player that stands out to me is Fornells, who was tactically very interesting in the first half. You saw him kind of drop deeper if we needed that control. And then when we felt we had some more of that, go back up top again. And then he was an animal on the left defensively in the second half, Jack. Yeah, I mean, his intelligence is so valuable to us. I think he should really be one of the first names on the team sheet every week. And I think one of the real things that's been frustrating with Fornells is finding that consistency um, over the last two games. He's been brilliant, but his game intelligence to be able to know when to press and go forward and play in more of a 4-4-2 shape with Antonio, when to drop in and be part of a 4-5-1, capable of then going out onto the left and defending really well from the left. He offers so much in so many different areas of the game to us um, that should really make him one of the best players in the team. It's just he struggled to find that level of consistent output week in, week out. Um, but he's got such a such brilliant ability and he showed it in the in the Lyon game. And he will be one of the most important players in the second leg because he's got that ability to play first time in behind um, with accuracy that no one else in the squad really has. He's, he's, he's probably our best forward passer, it feels like, and more intelligent, more deftness to him. Yeah, that's. I was just thinking then, perhaps given as well that Cresswell is going to be out, you you prefer Fornals out on that left over Ben Rama in terms of the sort of uh, defensive help he offers more so than Ben Rama in front of a Johnson, uh, and also then yeah, it can. I feel like he could also bring in 
she fell into the game if you think if we break on the left but then Leon who play this very narrow sort of defensive shape have to switch over to to track the left and leave a lot of space in behind on the right four hours is arguably the perfect player to have on that side to look up hit a crossfield pass in behind to Sifal and Bowen who can attack that space with their pace so I think maybe if if you're asking what I would like to see going into that that's probably the lineup I'd want to see and I'd want to see a sort of make sure that we're building on one side and then switching it into the space that Leon will inevitably leave because they do play this very narrow defensive system that sort of shuffles across. It's certainly fascinating that we've got a a left-back suspended. We need pace down the left and there's not an inclination in my mind to play Masuaku. (laughs) Which probably, probably suggests that summer is the last we'll see of him. Um, That kind of that second half that... And you were thinking about how well we defended, Jack. Um, I think the goal itself was a bit of a surprise as well. We we almost did it perfectly. Almost. 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 Almost did a really good job of staying narrow, defending in two banks of four, forcing them to cross the ball, uh, them not winning any headers. It was almost a perfect defensive display in the second half, apart from a moment where Johnson decided that Tete had come on and only had one leg, uh, <laughs> defended so square <coughs> that it was really easy for him to go on the outside. And then Fredericks is a little bit nervous about Dembele, so can't let it run across him to clear for a corner. Um, and then it's a tap in for Ndombele. So a really cheap goal to concede. But other than that moment, it was near perfect. Mm. That's, I suppose, why everyone, you come out of that game feeling... I don't know how you feel after a game like it's a very weird one because there's that, that massive disappointment when you know something's kind of been taken just the chance has been taken but then there's that that weird pride of a kind of defensive 10-man performance yeah I think the injustice of it as well like, like we said I'm not going to touch on it but I think that adds to it is you leave the stadium and feel like you've been robbed in more ways than one uh, which was just infuriating but I think uh, I came away I think really feeling quite positive in the sense that we're still very much in the tie I thought we defended admirably, given 10 men, and, and we didn't bowl over and capitulate, which would have been quite easy to do, given the particularly the attacking uh, prowess that Leon have uh, and could bring off the bench when they brought on. Yeah. I mean, how wouldn't we love to be able to bring Toko Akambi and Tete <laughs> off the bench? I mean, that's players that we have not... I mean, they'd probably start, <laughs> for, to be honest. But um, So, yeah, to, to sort of stick with it... Uh, handle their sort of additions and not bowl over I think we're very much in it and I'm I am looking forward to it to be honest I, I sort of yeah I'm looking forward to particularly I think aerially we can get the best of them if if like I say Sifal gets in behind crosses it into the box to his Czech compatriot and deals with their in quite simply terrible aerial uh, presence <laughs> they're, they're, they're woeful in the air I, I suppose the one thing Lanzini does do is allow Suchek to to go forward pro- probably more than playing four nows in there and Ben Rama on the wing, yeah, which is a weapon as well. Are you looking yeah, forward I, to it, Jack? Well, I, I, I was just going to say about you saying with Suchek going forward, <coughs> that, that pushes us a little bit closer to... Because I think it's kind of a shame in a way that we don't have that other striker because given how well we defended in a 4-4-1 shape in the second half, you could almost quite happily go, well, just stick another striker up, play 4-4-2. Yeah. Um, so it's in, in that way, it's kind of a shame that there isn't someone available to play that system. But with Lanzini in there on the ball, definitely you can push Suchek up into that sort of four four two shape with Lanzini alongside Rice to keep things tight. <laughs> so um, I'm quite positive. I, I watched the last 15 minutes of the game thinking Leon literally have created less than nothing um, 
against 10 men for for ages and even if we concede here and go 2-1 down I'm still quite confident that we can Mm. pull that back in the second leg because 11 v 11 with a referee that's not going to be so erratic um, I'd give us a really really good shot so and especially as well I mean (coughs) obviously it's counterbalanced by the fact that we're missing Cresswell and we're also going to be missing Zuma which is a massive loss for us but I'm not sure who's going to be fit in midfield for them Um, Mm. our um, picked up an injury against uh, Strasbourg um, at the weekend. I think Ndombele went off injured as well. Um, Kekaret's out. Mendes picked up a knock as well. <laughs> so I'm not really sure who they're going to have playing in midfield. And if one of the things we looked at that was a real issue for us in the first leg was dealing with all those lovely creative players in the midfield area, if they're down to two or three, then that really helps us out a lot. Um, so it'll be interesting to see who they play It'll be interesting to see how the injuries will affect the game. <clears throat> but I give us a really good shot because we played so well with 10 men that um, if you add that additional threat up front and allow us to keep the ball a little bit better in that area, then I think we cause them a lot of problems. It's just now it we, we've got the question here, Cal, of are West Ham a better team defending with 10 men or defending with the opposite? <laughs> and that's, <laughs> that, that is sadly yeah. what just came to my mind. So I thought, well, if he's not there, he can't make an error. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's sketchy, especially after <clears throat> that Brentford performance. But I don't know. Yeah, like, I mean, he he excelled playing in France. That's why we bought him. So maybe <laughs> maybe going over there and sort of. I, and also, he's defensively, yes, he's a liability, but he is quite a good passer out from the Long back. So passer, yeah. if if we're gonna have both him and Dawson pinging diagonal balls out to the flanks, then maybe he's actually an all right guy to have in there. Um, and also. I think you said before the pod, I can't remember if you said it on here, but I, I'm much more confident with Johnson next to Diop than I am with Cresswell next to Diop. Um, and also Johnson's had better performances at left back than he has had a right back this season too. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think lots to be positive about. Um, yeah. It's, I suppose the one thing that for some reason Johnson does do when he plays left back is he goes down the flank, which is the very confusing part of his game. Um, <laughs> I don't know how to feel. I mean, I'm, I'm never an optimist. I'm always a pessimist. So it's really hard for me to kind of give the same same sort of outward, forward-thinking opinions. Oh, but that's true of everything I ever do, I suppose. And with that kind of morbid positivity to take us forward into Thursday, I think we should wrap up the podcast because if... Well, I think we do better when I'm, when I'm miserable, as far as I'm concerned. And that's... <laughs> that has nearly 33 years of my life has led me through. So why change now? Um... I can't, au revoir is the French, isn't it? Au revoir is the French. That's the best I've got. Um, We shall see you next week, hopefully, to uh, dissect a a positive game and a a possible tie with Frankfurt in the semi-finals of the Europa League. (laughs) Um, I'll tell you what, they looked good, man. I watched the game back and they looked all right, you know. So, I don't know. I I mean, it'd be... I'd much rather face them than Barca, but I don't want people, if they do beat Barca, I don't want people to think if we get through it, it's going to be a straight ticket to the final because they're a good team. It's, it's in that weird spot where I really don't want to play against Frankfurt because of the things that happened whilst we were in Sevilla. Um, but if you want, if you want dedication from the podcast, Cal watched back the Frankfurt Barcelona game. And that's something <laughs> I would never have done in my own spare time after the result was in. So says a lot about us um until that time we shall see you again next week uh good night right so we're here in the offices of a late late show with the host of a late late show 
James Corden. Hi. Big West Ham fan. Yes. <laughs> and big knees up Mother Brown, man. Yeah. Yeah, I'm regularly on the general discussion page. There's always someone who's got some information, so I love it. Yeah, yeah. it's great. Yes, it's Find excitement them. surrounded by imminent disappointment. <laughs> that's what it. That's what it mostly is. Get on the forum at kumb.com. Come on, you irons.